Adobe and Capgemini present the Experience Makers Podcast. Welcome, I'm Laura Camion. And I'm Susan Blackwell. We come from the world of storytelling, Broadway, film, the Sparkfile Podcast. We're all about the creative. The term experience maker, like creative, is open to interpretation. You can ask 100 people what it means and get 100 different definitions. In this series, we're getting the scoop on what it means to be an experience maker and why it matters now more than ever. This episode, we're chatting with Tina Deere, VP of Global Marketing of Rockwell Automation. Welcome, Tina. Hi, Laura. Hey, Susan. Hi. Hi. We're so, so happy to speak with you today. If you don't mind, I want to jump right in with this question. How do you define experience making? Experience making is all about allowing people, enabling them to do their best work Mm -hmm. and do it joyfully. Yes. In order to do it in a very, in a way that brings them joy, that's delightful, that they look forward to, even as they produce great results. Love that unexpected answer. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to kick this into gear with something we call 60 Second Life Story. Tina, we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. You're going to tell us your whole life story. Don't leave out the awesome parts. 60 seconds starting now. Great. So I was born in India, in Mumbai, mm. India, and moved to Singapore when I was two years old. Wow. And I grew up in Singapore all the way through high school. And then I had an opportunity to fulfill a dream of mine and go to the best engineering school in the world, something completely unexpected. <laughs> and I left Singapore when I was 18 to go to Boston, Massachusetts to study at MIT. Amazing. 30 seconds. And uh, became a chemical engineer. And uh, I knew after finishing my college, I went to work for Exxon Corporation at their refinery in Singapore and then also in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. I didn't want to make a career in operations for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. wanted to get closer to the customer. So I went back, got my MBA, and uh, I've been in B2B industrial marketing all of my career, bringing both the geek in me as well as the creative in me together. <laughs> and I'm married with a beautiful 18-year-old daughter who's going through some very, very interesting times now. And we've got our four-year-old fur baby as well, Luna, uh-huh. uh, who has been the the awesomest remote office uh, mate ever. And uh, she keeps me company by sleeping and snoring at my feet all day long. So <laughs> it's a good life she's got. Okay, that was a 90-second life story, and it was excellent. That's how you do that. The thing that I think is amazing about this and worth noting is that amazing experience makers come from all different types of backgrounds, Mm -hmm. including chemical engineers from MIT. That is remarkable. Yeah, and I'm curious to just hear a touch about how you think your background, being born in India and growing up in Singapore, Mm -hmm. having the engineering degree and the MBA, how has your background affected the work that you do? You know, I think the first and foremost, it's having lived and worked and grown up in different places. I've got a great empathy and an appreciation Mm -hmm. for cultures that I bring both into how I raise my daughter, how I do my work, how I engage with my team. And, uh, you know, just uh, I I just find joy in the different perspectives that people bring. Mm -hmm. The other thing is also that it's made me far more adaptable. Change doesn't faze me. Yeah. My dad was a sailor in the Merchant Navy, and he would invite back some of the other captains that he worked with. And they came from Germany, Austria, from Japan. 
you know, all sorts of different parts of the world and they'd come visit us at home and so got to know them. I would, we would go visit them on their ships when they were at dock. Wow. And my mom's a mechanical engineer, which was, uh, you know, pretty unusual back then. Yeah. You know, change and opening up your horizons and thinking big has always come naturally to me uh, just due to that background. I can imagine that really serves you well, especially in this rapidly changing world. Being adaptable to change is a great quality to possess right now. That's right. And having a fuller picture of the types of experiences that elicit joy. I just imagine you have a wide range of understanding of like human response to things. So you've got to bring that to your experience making. Absolutely. So listen, Tina, we host a podcast called The Spark File. Mm -hmm. And A Spark File is where we keep all of our inspirations and our fascinations. We're curious, what's in your Spark File? Can you share a person or a place, a thing, an experience that provided you with a recent spark of inspiration? Sure. You know, 2020 has not exactly been the easiest year. (laughs) Yes. I started with Rockwell eight months ago, exactly eight months ago. And so I'm brand new to the company, brand new to the industry, frankly. You know, I'm a chemical engineer and now I'm working with lots of electrical engineers and computer science majors. Yeah. So it's been a lot of change. I had the benefit of being in the office for two months before we were all sent back home. Mm -hmm. So that was great to make personal connections with people. But, you know, a few things that have sparked me that actually have inspired me and energized me. The first and foremost, what I would say is my team. I joined a team that had gone through a lot of changes over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And they were pretty, you know, one could say that they were maybe change fatigued. Uh But as, you know, they embraced me, brought me up to speed from day one. And as I laid out a very different sort of a vision for what I wanted marketing to be at Rockwell Automation versus what it had been in the past and explained the why as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that provided inspiration to the team. Despite all the changes they had gone through, they stepped up to embrace that challenge. And they showed me what amazing work they can do as a result of that. So that that was a, a huge deal. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Why? What is that underlying purpose that you explained to the team and that you all sort of invested in? Yeah. So, you know, I guess we had been more on the tactical end of marketing and I wanted to build up a more strategic marketing organization. Mm -hmm. And I basically, you know, said that we're the conscience of the customer. We're advocates for the customer. An important part of our job versus a lot of other functions is that we have a responsibility to really understand the customer far more deeply than other functions might. And we are not just going to ask them for their immediate needs, but we're going to dig deeper, you know, ask the five whys Mm -hmm. and understand the need behind the need behind the need Mm. and understand that so well and then help bridge back to our organization to say, okay, how do we, you know, bringing the best of Rockwell automation, our people, our technology, how do we delight the customer? There's that joy again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How do we meet their expectations and drive their PL, doing it joyfully and doing it better than anybody else so that we're the natural number one choice? Giving them a real purpose and a very important one at that. I think that was something that people were ready for, wanted to get to. They didn't know how mm-hmm. and they embraced it. I'm so curious to know just the impact of this moment we're in in the world. How were you able to have your team focus on joy and reimagine what that question means in this moment, Mm -hmm. what it means to bring joy to people as they're struggling through this moment in time? 
Yeah, it's a few things. So I exhorted them to go out and learn, Mm -hmm. you know, go out, learn, talk to peers, talk to other people in the companies, pick up different ideas from them. And then at the same time, we've had to pivot on a number of our physical events very large physical events to virtual events in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And so we also had these deadlines that actually, frankly, provided a launch pad to try new ideas out of necessity. Yes, And so they were encouraged to be creative, to be leaders, and to do it in a very short time frame. And they had a forum, they had a launch pad. And so the team really stepped it up. And, you know, it's just been pretty amazing to see people blossoming and blowing me away, frankly, with some of their creative ideas, as well as different ways of thinking. And it really bringing the power of team to life. We're in the middle of this global situation that is transforming our relationship to the digital world. Mm -hmm. And we're curious if you've encountered a digital experience that has sparked you recently. I'll share a couple with you. One very mundane and one that really stuck with me. So The one that really stuck with me was when we recently started to order meal kits from one of those out there. Oh, sure. And I was thinking to myself, like, why didn't I do this earlier? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because everything's laid out. Yes. My husband, who is an excellent sous chef, but not necessarily the chef, he can fry an egg. (laughs) He's like, you know what? This is something maybe I can do. And so we went online, you know, picked out the recipes, the frequency. It was so easy to do. And everything got delivered in a fantastic way, all very chilled, all very well organized. Yeah. And now my husband's cooking like full meals. This is an excellent spark. And it just blew me away where non-cooks who enjoy good food, (laughs) you know, had a wonderful experience, partly digital, partly physical. So a very complete omni-channel experience. (laughs) And they were able to do things they couldn't imagine they could do in the past. Gina, I'm laughing because that you were describing, but it's the opposite. I'm the person who's like, oh, so if you just get, okay, there's instructions. I see. There's correct. Everything comes in little packets. Exactly. One tomato and one. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I can do this. I can cook. And suddenly my partner is like, well, look at you go. And I said, I did not know I had it in me. I love that. It's really a delightful experience. Exactly. Very cool. (laughs) And the other one, very mundane, was, you know, I went for a haircut a couple of weeks ago and my hairdresser, you know, all very socially distanced, masks and everything. She's like, you know, before I would hand over my credit card and she's like, you know, I I use Venmo and I realized I could use it at work too. And here's the QR code that you scan Mm -hmm. and you can just pay me. And we were done in like 30 seconds Yeah, with zero touch. And, you know, what struck me was my hairdresser, you know, who's on the more mature end, she took to it like duck to water. And I'm like, okay, that's how easy we need to make all our transactions, all our interactions with our customers as well. I'm very inspired lately by people of all different ages, including people that may not have identified as being technically savvy before, Mm -hmm. really navigating that learning curve and just making their lives easier in these small ways and big ways more joyful. 
from a professional perspective, it tells us that the B2C world is raising the bar yeah. for a lot of our B2B customers, right? It's true. I mean, they're coming to expect a heck of a lot more from people like ourselves, like Rockwell Automation, and they're actually ready for change too. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's that's a very new experience in the B2B world. So speaking of customers and speaking of dinner, here's a scenario for you. You're having dinner with one of your favorite clients. Mm-hmm. What do you ask them? What information do you need to know to do your work well and to serve them well? Mm-hmm. When I ask questions, I try to keep them simple so that people can focus. So the first thing I would ask them is, what are your biggest challenges that are standing in the way of growing your PNL? Mm. Because at the end of the day, you know, they've got a business to run and how they get measured at the end of the day is the PNL. So I ask them, you know, what are the biggest opportunities you see to grow your PNL and what's standing in your way? And then I ask them, what are the three things you love about Rockwell Automation? And what are the three things that frustrates you the most? Mm. And then the fourth question I'd ask them is, if you had a magic wand, what are the ways that you would want Rockwell Automation to help you remove hurdles, achieve your goals? They know us, they know their needs, and let's see what connections they make. In asking these questions, I'm looking for opportunities, how we can add the most value for them, yeah. mm-hmm. uncovering again the need behind the need and focusing on outcomes. And then at the same time, also looking for how do we do it in a way that brings them joy? How do we remove some friction or some sticky points in how we serve them? And so looking for both short term, how we can impact them, and then also longer term, how can we innovate smarter and better for them so that they achieve their goals. So I'm sitting over here with a big smile on my face because so much of what you're saying just keeps reflecting back to joy. Yeah. And it's so fun to hear you talk about it in this way and frankly, a little unexpected. So it's a great surprise. Yeah. Coming from an MIT engineer, I'm sure. You contain (laughs) multitudes. I love it. Susan and I have a mild obsession with failure and the role that it plays in connection to both creativity and to success. And we're wondering if you would be willing to share a failure that you experienced and how you process that failure. So earlier in my career, mm-hmm. I, you know, was responsible for leading a cross-functional team and uh, none of them reported directly to me, so it wasn't uh, working through influence. And I ended up, the engineer in me and the driver in me, I wanted to get things done and I wanted to get things done quickly. Sure. And what ended up happening was because I was pushing ahead, I didn't necessarily turn around and make sure people were following or that they wanted to follow me. You're just blazing trails out in front. Blazing <laughs> trails and you know, all these great ideas I have. Can't you see it? <laughs> Can't you envision it? I don't know if it was a huge failure, but for me, I took that as a learning opportunity. And I learned a tremendous amount from that. Yeah. That has helped shape me who I am today. And, you know, I, I keep in mind this one African proverb that really resonated with me. It said that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. Yes. And so I just said, you know, I think that sums it up perfectly. And uh, it's a lot more fun, too, to go with others. And it was partly, you know, helping my engineer brain transition to being a more empathetic, a more whole brain sort of thinking, collaborative, and striking the right balance between driving for results and then energizing, inspiring people to deliver those results. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Kat Cole, she's the CEO of uh, Cinnabon and that group of uh, businesses. Mm -hmm. And she became CEO of Cinnabon at 32. Wow. So very impressive lady. And she said that one of her favorite acronyms is FAIL, F-A-I-L. She said that for her, FAIL meant first attempt in learning. That's so great. And this is one I've used for myself, you know, to motivate me, inspire me. And then I also use with my team and others to just encourage them, like, hey, you fail, no big deal. Learn from it and do better the next time, right? Mm-hmm. But don't let that stop you from pushing the envelope. I love that. That is a keeper. Tina, we've noticed, as <laughs> I'm sure you have as well, that these times that we're in have given people pause to reflect and reassess and, and perhaps even change priorities. We're curious what the future looks like for you and where you see your industry headed. You know, within our industry, within, you know, the the industry that Rockwell Automation participates in, we've been on this mission to basically how do we help our customers who run, you know, their plants really well from an operations technology point of view? How do we marry the OT with the IT to drive digital transformation within their plants, within their enterprise? And I just see Rockwell Automation very well positioned in this industry, right, of bringing OT and IT together. Mm -hmm. It's going to really help customers break down the silos of data that they have within their company, Mm -hmm. marrying that with their equipment and their processes, and really unleashing a whole bunch of productivity and digital transformation that COVID has only accelerated Mm -hmm. how quickly, you know, the sense of urgency that we have on that we do need to digitally transform transform. And for me personally, it's very inspiring because it's allowing people to do, again, their best work, you know, allowing people, our customers, you know, their companies doing their best work, but doing it also in a way that allows them to maximize their job satisfaction Mm. and also maximize their life satisfaction and the balance that they have. Because they can work remotely, right? Remove the extraneous work that really added no value, Mm -hmm. but there was no other way to get there, the mundane stuff, and focus on what really matters. And you can do that from anywhere, Mm -hmm. sitting at home or out in the field. And I also see it opening up a lot of opportunities for a lot of women in this field where they traditionally have not had opportunities because it has been too much kind of out there in the middle of nowhere sometimes, or it's been some rough hours, let's say, and they couldn't juggle family and work together. By being able to work remotely on in a way which allows them to bring their best talents to life, do the work that they most enjoy, but do it in a way where they can have a life and they can do it remotely, that's huge. Yeah. And I would say it's not only for women, it's a lot of men as well who want a better work-life balance, that this is allowing them to strike that balance you know, much faster and much more easily. Wisdom has come to me later in my life than I would have liked. (laughs) And so, you know, I think one of the the wisdoms is that at the end of the day, it all comes down to people, right? I mean, that's where the creativity comes from. Yeah. That's where the ambitions and the achievements come from. Yeah. And it's understanding that, yes, people have a work life, but they also have a personal life, you know, and it's having empathy for that whole person, I think. That's really important. Another saying that sticks in my mind, it's actually a quote from Maya Angelou that really, you know, I think guides a lot of my actions is people will forget what you said, but they won't forget how you made them feel. 
That's the definition of experience maker. Yeah. You know, people are struggling with a lot today. And so how do we bring kindness and empathy into the equation, allowing them to be seen and heard as a whole person so that they know that, you know, they have my support, the company's support to do their best work. And, you know, while enduring and hopefully thriving through these very, very difficult times. Yeah, and I think that when you care for your employees, that care in turn is shown to your customers and your clients as well. Very true. Well, Tina, we have one last round of questioning for you. Mm -hmm. It is a lightning round. We call it fill in the spark. Oh, goodness. (laughs) We're going to set you up and you just fill in the spark. See whatever comes to your mind. Here we go. I start my day by... Feeding Luna, cuddling (laughs) Luna, and preparing my uh, cup of coffee. It's a good start to the day. If I didn't do this work, I'd pursue a career as a professional historian. Ooh. A book I reread and give to others is? I don't have a book, but I have a magazine. It's The Economist. (laughs) So I absolutely love The Economist. I pass out issues like candy to everybody (laughs) I meet. Someone I admire greatly is? The Dalai Lama. Mm. Just because he is an optimist And he sees the good and the divine in people. A piece of great advice I received was? Show vulnerability. Mm -hmm. From somebody coming from an Asian culture, you know, or started life as a uh, left-brainer, I think that how do I develop my right brain? How do I connect with people and show that empathy? I think it starts with showing vulnerability. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. A piece of art. Film, music, painting, writing, dance, etc. that moves me is? When I was in college in Boston, you know, they used to give out $13 tickets to the Boston Ballet for college students. One of the perks of growing up, you know, going to a college town. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing a a beautiful ballet, Sherazad, put up by them, and it was just spectacular. In the spirit of the six-word memoir, Oh, goodness. Six words that sum up my life are... So I have a four-word one. Great. I would say it's no no losers, only quitters. Because it's, again, it comes back to that learning from failure, right? And just not quitting, yeah. ever learning and trying, you know, again and again. And I've faced plenty of adversity and, uh, you know, just always looking for how do I move forward from here. These days, I daydream about... I guess traveling. Haven't been able to travel to other parts of the world, meet my colleagues in other parts, you yeah. know, visit friends and family. I love traveling. I never go to sleep without reading my economist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's great. And finally, we imagine you work pretty darn hard at your job, Tina. We suspect you lose some sleep at night over your team, your work, your clients. What's it all for? What? It's all for is to, again, I'll come back to my theme maybe from the very start. It's it's to help them do their best work to make a real positive impact in society Mm -hmm. and do it in a way that brings them joy and where they feel secure. It all goes back to joy. Tina Deer of Rockwell Automation, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your insights and your stories around being an experience maker. We can't thank you enough. And thanks to you, the listener, we hope that you will ask yourself, what am I doing today to make an extraordinary experience for someone? In fact, Tina, how would you answer that 
Any ideas on how you're going to make an extraordinary experience for someone today? I've recently hired a couple of key people onto my direct staff. And so a way that I'm going to uh, create, you know, make an experience is really helping them with their onboarding, helping them learn the team, learn the company, the quirks, you know, the, the unspoken rules, and also, you know, inspire them to bring their best experiences and expertise to bear on this job and take it to the next level. So that's my little bit of uh, experience making uh, that's hot these days. Thank you so much, Tina, dear. It's been a joy. I've really enjoyed myself, Lauren, Susan. This has been fun. A new business reality requires a new kind of leader. It's the rise of the experience maker. You can learn more at adobe.com slash experience dash cloud or capgemini.com. Until next time, I'm Susan Blackwell. And I'm Laura Camion. Thanks for listening. This is Designing Momentum, a podcast from Capgemini. Designing Momentum is a show about what it takes to build and maintain momentum in business. When the odds are against you, how do you forge your own path? Original ideas very rarely come from looking in the same places you always look. So in this show, we'll be turning the spotlight in a different direction that you wouldn't necessarily think to look. Hosted by me, Frank Wammers, and with the help of Rachel Burford, International Women's Rugby World Cup winner, and experts in emerging technology and sport will be exploring why what goes on in the boardroom isn't so different to what happens on the pitch. Make sure you subscribe now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts.